Our second scripture reading this morning is also the prophecy of Isaiah. And here now, as Rich mentioned, further words of assurance, protection, and restoration. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am your Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. May this sacred text continue to resonate in our hearts. Let us pray. O gracious and loving God, may all the meditations of all our hearts this day and always be pleasing unto you. Amen. Well, some of you have heard me share stories of my love of silent retreats and spending time alone with God. Some of you are intrigued, some of you think it's a little nutty, um, and some of you have actually asked if you can come with me sometime. Well, I took my usual one or two day retreat to the extreme recently and went away by myself for time alone with God for an entire week. Now, before you feel too sorry for me, no, I did not lock myself in a monastery, and no, I did not have to give up any earthly pleasures like good food or an incredibly comfortable bed, but I did travel alone, and I made no effort to really chat or engage with those around me. And I did disconnect from electronics other than checking in with my family in the morning and the evening. Well, and to be completely transparent, I was actually at a lovely, all-inclusive resort on the beach in Costa Rica. <laughs> so something tells me that some of you may become interested in my version of a silent retreat. And to be even more transparent, I broke my silence every afternoon around 3 p.m. when my cabana boy, yes, I had my own private cabana most days, came around to ask me what I would like to drink. So I couldn't possibly be so rude as to not respond. So yes, many days the first words I spoke were, strawberry daiquiri, please. <laughs> but once I broke my silence with this young man, we talked a little bit every afternoon. He tried very hard to say my name, but Meredith was difficult, and I had difficulty saying his name. So we just chatted without calling one another by name. Well, he expressed deep gratitude every time I gave him even a modest tip, saying that he would take his seven-year-old niece out for ice cream that evening. And the day I left, he explained to me that it was hard for him to get to know nice people over the week's time, only to feel quite sad when they left. Apparently, not everyone is nice to the staff. Well, the day that I left, I was asked to complete a survey, and the last question on the survey was, Please name your favorite employee of the week. I couldn't do it. I didn't know his name, and I felt terrible. And so he will forever in my memory be named the really nice cabana boy who spends his tips buying ice cream for his young niece. And so it is with hundreds of unnamed characters in the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. 
There are literally more unnamed characters in the Bible than there are those who are named. And some names are repeated so frequently we can't always be sure which John or which Mary, for instance, they are referring to. And it's even more surprising how many are unnamed because in ancient Near Eastern literature, generally, names often carried enormous significance, being inextricably connected to the very nature of that which was named. To know the name is to know something of the fundamental traits, nature, or destiny of the name's bearer. In the Bible, the name often reps the very essence of a person. And when the prophet Isaiah reminds us that God has inscribed our names, our names, on palms of God's hands, it indicates the intimate, personal relationship that we have with God. Well, think about how many of these unnamed people in the Bible are so important to the stories of our faith, the foundation of what we believe. For instance, we only know Noah's wife as Noah's wife. Well, I'm sorry, he may have built that ark, but she was stuck on it with him with all those stinky animals for, I'm guessing, what felt like more than 40 days and 40 nights, and we don't even know her name. And what were the names of those shepherds that tended their flocks and were the first to arrive to witness the birth of the Savior of the world? And who was that good Samaritan? And what was the name of the woman at the well who was thirsting for truth, finding it as she spoke with Jesus and received the living water? That conversation is one of the longest one-on-one chats recorded in the Bible but we don't even know her name. What was the name of Pilate's wife? After all, it was that unnamed woman who sends the message to Pilate, interrupting the trial of Jesus, warning, have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. And what were the names of the two thieves that hung on the crosses next to Jesus? For surely they were suffering every bit as much as Jesus, and they too likely had families standing at the foot of their crosses, mourning terribly their horrible deaths of their loved ones. Well, perhaps all of these individuals were kept in the shadows simply by not being named, but we must not forget them or overlook them because the biblical authors failed to mention them by name. Our names, given to us at birth, some given to us at our baptisms, and some acquired throughout our lives, just like in biblical times, often describe the very essence of who we are as a person. Many of us know the history behind why our parents chose the names that they did for us, and those stories become a part of who we are. If you were raised in another tradition, you may have been given a special name at your christening, And I bet that you likely know the meaning of that name chosen for you as well. Well, others, of course, have picked up a few nicknames along the way, and those, too, often speak to the essence of who we are. We've heard Rich mention his nickname given to him by his fraternity brothers, Goose. But I will let him him tell you at coffee hour how that described the essence of who he was in college. Catherine Willis and her sisters were named by their band director growing up as Big Will, Middle Will, and Little Will, the essence of having siblings. 
I had a friend in college who went by the nickname Buff. I don't think we even knew her given name, but once we graduated from college, she only wanted to be called by her given name, Elizabeth. Well, hard as we tried, we still call her Buff. Not out of disrespect, but Buff was the essence of her. It was the name we knew and we came to love her with. And like many of you, I have also acquired names over the years like Alex, Connor, and Aaron's mom, or Dave's wife, or that pastor over in Western Springs. Well, I especially love these names, and of course, the name that only my mom called me, Meredy, and my grandfather's name for me, Mert. Frankly, not as pretty as the name Meredith, but all the names that are terms of endearment and signs of intimacy because of the special people who call me by those names. But what about all of those who continue to go unnamed? Think about how many times we read in the news or hear the headlines of six people were killed in shootings over the weekend in Chicago. Often we never hear their actual names. Sadly, part of the reason they go unnamed is there are so many. Perhaps the media feels there's simply not space to actually name them. Or worse, there are so they are so young that their names can't even be released to the press. But without a name, we know so little about these people, and it makes it easier for us to remain detached, doesn't it? Detached from the horror of what is happening to our fellow human beings. But if we hear a name, we might know at least a little about the person, for names bring those who have died more to life and make their loss all the more tragic. The good news, of course, is that even if we don't know their names, or if we ever, never know the names of the unnamed characters in the Bible, God has always had their names written on the palms of God's hands. Here again, what the prophet Isaiah is reminding us that this means. The Lord comforts his people, offers compassion, even when we feel God has forgotten us and we are alone. No, God says, others may forget you, others may not know your name, but dear child, I will never forget you. Do not fear, for I have always and will always call you by name. You may pass through the waters, but need not be overwhelmed, for I am with you. You may walk through fire, but you will not be burned. Do not fear, I am with you, for I have tattooed your name on the palms of my hands, both palms. Well, sometimes the best way to enter into these ancient words of assurance of scripture, to hear them speaking directly to you, is to place yourself in the story. And so I invite you to trust what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, to enter into this beautiful assurance that your name is inscribed on the palms of God's hands. And so if you're holding anything, I invite you to set that down. And I want you to take a deep breath. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to open your palms up, either placing them on your legs or in a comfortable but receptive position. And now imagine seeing your name 
whatever feels like the most intimate name that God would call you. Maybe it's your given name. Maybe it's my child. But now imagine God not just holding your name, but holding you in the loving palms of God's hands and whispering to you, do not fear, I am with you, trust me, I love you. Now bring to mind someone you know who needs to hear and feel this same comforting message and place their name in the palms of God's hands. And hear God whisper to them, do not fear, I am with you. Trust me, I love you. Now bring to mind someone whose name you do not know. Perhaps it is that child you will read about in the paper this weekend who was abused or abandoned but not named, or a victim of violence whose name was not bothered to be reported, or the neighbor you've never met but who seems so isolated and secluded that you've been afraid to approach. Place that unnamed yet beloved child of God in God's hands and hear God whisper to them, do not fear, I am with you, trust me, I love you. You may open your eyes. We know our names and the names of those we love. We know the names of so many others, but there are many that we cannot name. Maybe because we knew their names at one point and have forgotten, and now we're just too embarrassed to ask. Maybe at coffee hour today, we can learn or relearn someone's name. Perhaps I need to return to Costa Rica to learn the name of that nice cabana boy, <laughs> but I think I'll bring my family with me this time. But there are many, many others that we encounter every day, every week, who will remain the unnamed people unless we seek them out. And who knows, maybe by seeking them out and calling them by name, you will bring them out of a shadow. They will not feel alone and may even sense that through you, God has whispered to them, do not fear, you are not alone. You are loved, for your name is inscribed on the palms of my hands. May it be so.